Hey, everybody, it is Mike Petralia, Trags, back for the latest episode of the Jungle War podcast. And joining me is an old friend working for a new company. That would be the one and only Jay Morrison. I haven't had you on since you've become a part of the Pro Football Network family, Jay. You can follow Jay Morrison on Twitter, X, uh, at by Jay Morrison, all one word. I know that's a new handle, so I want to get as many people uh, accustomed to it as possible. But uh, you always already had a very great, well-deserved following. All of that said, welcome back, Jay. Thanks, Drags. I, I was starting to feel left out a little bit. I was like, well, when's he going to have me on? No, no, no. I will <laughs> never leave you out. As, as long as uh, you and me are on the beat, I will never leave you out. I can assure you that. All Maybe. right, let's get to the business of the Bengal quarterback position. And I look at this in two buckets, Jay, good and bad. I think what uh, Zach Taylor said on Monday uh, at his news conference was a good sign. I don't think he would have been as adamant and as forthcoming about saying that Joe Burrow looks great if he Mm -hmm. didn't feel that Joe Burrow were indeed getting ready to uh, get on the field, practice for the game on September 10th in Cleveland. I just don't think he would have done that. Um, but the other issue is the not so great, and that is, will a backup quarterback please step forward? So let's start with Joe Burrow. Uh, your read on uh, what you think uh, his preparations are, what your take from what Zach Taylor said on Monday was. Yeah, I think you're spot on there because it it, it wasn't just that he said the, the positive words he said. It was the fact that he said anything at all for so long. It's been several weeks from when I said several weeks. And um, yeah, for him to to go into that and, and use those terms as good as he's ever looked and, and that type of thing that, right. yes, that he feels comfortable now knowing that he's on pace. I'm not, I don't think he's ready yet or we'd see him out at practice, but uh, I think he's close enough to the point now where they they don't expect this to be an issue and they they feel a little more comfortable uh, addressing it in a, in a positive light. So I do, I, I thought that was telling uh, the the language that he used and, and even Brian to some degree the day before uh, saying he doesn't seen all of it. He doesn't watch him do rehab, but what he has seen of him has looked good. So um, I, I think that was always kind of the, the hope that he'd be back for the season opener and the, the way they phrased it yesterday and, and the day before makes it seem like, yeah, he's on track for that for sure. Indeed. And I think the fact that he hasn't lost the weight that he did in 2022 recovering from his appendicitis, I think that's a big deal. I think he is going to hit the ground running a little bit stronger. I think he's going to be able to do more things in -hmm. terms of preparing for the season. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, we all remember what happened last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was the fact uh, that he committed five turnovers, four interceptions and one lost fumble. Um, That cannot be the case come September 10th in Cleveland or the Bengals won't have a chance against Miles Garrett. Yeah, it wasn't just the the weight that he lost, but the strength. I mean, that, that, that operation really sapped him. And then People forget too, and we were. I was reminded of it yesterday, how hot it was for that season opener against Pittsburgh, and that offense was on the, the field for ninety five snaps, and he's he's got a weight and strength issue, and it just it took a lot out of him. I think a lot of people look back on that zero and two start last year, and they they thought it was because he missed the time and because the O line didn't get the snaps in the preseason, and I think the the week two loss in Dallas was a direct hangover from that week one, just that brutal the heat and the length of that game. Um, but yeah, that this is, 
that the fact that he's not really having to to rebuild his body it's just one muscle that needs to be strengthened um much much better situation to be in than last year now you wrote about this uh for the pro football network um i think and you also uh, addressed it on the latest pro football network podcast do the bengals have a backup quarterback problem do they jay um maybe uh it's you know it, it it's not where they want it to be does that mean that it it can't get there i don't know i mean time's getting short and if joe's going to be ready for the start of the regular season then maybe some of the urgency they, they've got some more time i mean they're they have a week from today as we record this to make that decision and to make the cut down and i i you know from the listening to zach yesterday it sounds like he he he's he's happy the way they're progressing but not where they're they need to be yet and he wants to see somebody step forward and win that job and it, it's not just how they performed saturday at washington it was he, he talked about this whole week at practice that that factors into it too and yesterday wasn't a good start. I mean, there was yeah. interceptions all over the place, and <laughs> no. it was just not a good day for the offense. Now, it should be noted, we don't see Zach do this a lot. It's always ones versus ones, two versus twos in, in training camp, right. and they went ones versus twos yesterday. And when it was the one defense and the two offense, the offensive line was just totally overmatched, and it was understandable that they weren't able to get much done. And they did. They flipped those guys yesterday. They Trevor Sebian took some first team snaps and and Jake Browning took some first team snaps. So this this thing is clearly still up for grabs. And I think the whole wild card in this and and Zach said anything is feasible. And he also talked about how hard it would be to bring somebody in from the outside because of how complex their system is. But there's one guy on the outside who may become available a week from today. And that's Brandon Allen in San Francisco. All expectations are he's going to be cut out there. And I I don't. I won't, I won't want to say seamless transition, but it would be, he would be able to come in here and catch up on what's been installed since he's left uh, pretty quickly. Uh, if the rest of the week looks the way yesterday did, looks the way things did in Atlanta and against Green Bay. So it, it should be noted backup quarterbacks have their most precious reps in practices like Monday. And you can't just say, well, it's an interception in practice. And it wouldn't have happened in a game. It it worked. It doesn't matter. It does matter to these guys because it was interesting to me, not uh, on Sunday when Brian Callahan spoke, but the last time before that um, moment in uh, camp when uh, Brian Callahan spoke to us, he said, we want these guys replicating their decision-making based on what they would do in a game. And that means if in the very literal sense, if you need to throw the ball into the ground, throw the ball into the ground. And what I saw on Monday that I thought was a little bit troubling is Jake Browning made a nice scramble play uh, towards the end of practice. And then he throws a wounded duck for Joe Mixon in the end zone that Logan Wilson made a great one-handed yeah. catch on an interception. But I'm like, the alarm bells are going off in my head going, Oh my God, you cannot do that. I don't care if it's practice or not practice. You're supposed to be replicating in a scoring situation, a scoring opportunity for the offense. You cannot do that. And that to me is where, where the alarm is uh, with, with the two guys. And, you know, even Trevor Simeon, he had a, a route, I believe on the outside for Charlie Jones. He underthrew it badly. And Jalen Davis, who has had a very good camp, had a great practice on Monday, jumped the route 
for his second intercept would have been a pick six the other way, a Denzel Wardish pick six mm-hmm. on Joe Burrow. People remember that from 2021. Um, and it was just that kind of day for the starting quarterbacks, like you mentioned. And that to me uh, is the problem. Now, what I saw, Jay, Friday night at the end of that game, I saw when the tempo picked up, I thought Jake Browning was very good. He made mm-hmm. some uh, plays with his feet, which I asked you know, Zach Taylor about this on Monday, does it matter if one guy can do things differently in your system than the other guy? And he's like, well, no, we, we want the system run the way we want it run. Mm -hmm. But I think Jake Browning has maybe a little bit of an edge Jay uh, in the quarterback race, just because I think he can do things with his feet that maybe Trevor Simeon wouldn't say can't, but is not as likely to do. Yeah, well, I'll say it. He can't do it. He can't do a lot of that. I mean, he's <laughs> he can he can extend plays, but he can't. I mean, Jake ran for fifty yards, and I remember <laughs> last year's preseason. It's like, oh, it was a big surprise how how many plays Jake Browning made on the run and made with his feet. And I went back and I looked. He only had three thirty three rushing yards in that whole preseason last year. He had fifty alone Friday night. So I agree with you there. I, I think he brings an element, and it's an element that that could be needed. I mean, we, we, we've talked so much about how much this O-line is improved and you don't expect the pressure to be there the way it's been in, in years past, but if it's still, if it does come, you need a quarterback that, that can make play either extend in the pocket or just take off and run. And so I, I do think that's the, one of the big reasons that Jake Browning is ahead. And the fact that one out of 22 touchdown drive or one out of 22 drives have ended in touchdowns. And he had the one that was, um, I did want to say going back though to what you said about the interception and that was a bad throw but I talked to Logan Wilson and he said one of the reasons he thinks that Darren Simmons on the play before ruled Jamar out at the half yard line instead of giving him the touchdown is it was supposed to be a three play segment and so I it was like kind of like if you're in a game down by four and there's two seconds left you got to throw it somewhere and, and so I think that was Jake's thought process was I, I, I can't just eat this play this is the last play of the practice I gotta throw it and, and but but to on the other side of that we talked about all the interceptions there were at least two more that I can think of that would have been interceptions if it was a game and it was DBs Cam Taylor Britt on one and Mike I can't Hill remember who the other on one the was other. They Mike easily would have had, yeah, inter- yeah he'll easily would have had interceptions, and they didn't want to push the issue and and make contact with the receiver. So, um, I not to not to absolve Jake Browning. Of, no, but that, that certainly practice, that context but, changes. Yeah, you know my, what what I just described. But actually. but but you but think about it. The the interception that he threw Friday night was one of those. He was rolling out, and it was an ill advised throw. And that's that's the kind of thing that you don't want to see. If if a guy jumps around to beat you beat you one way or another to get the pick a deflected ball whatever it is you can live with those but that was a really bad decision and to his credit he came back it the the guys that he had on the field with him on that interception were much higher on the depth chart when they it was almost like they it, I don't want to say they gave up but they put all these guys in that hadn't had snaps all game on that final drive and guys that are you know, going to get cut a week from today and probably not even be considered for the practice squad. And so he was out there with a whole new cast and he he took them right down the field and got a touchdown. So I think that was telling. And one of the big reasons he's ahead in this battle, right? Now. The backup quarterback, the winner of the backup quarterback battle will do what on Saturday night to win that job? Um, avoid the big mistake and um, conceivably you lead a touchdown drive. I mean, 
they've only scored 32 points, only one offensive touchdown this whole this whole preseason. So you'd like to see them get one or two more of those. But you know, Zach made it sound like it's they do want to see Reed Sinet in the, in the in the fourth quarter and maybe in the second half. So maybe these guys are only going to get a quarter each. It, it depends on how the drives play out. But uh, it's going to be the guy that makes fewer mistakes, I would think, as opposed to makes plays. All right, we're going to move on to Joe Mixon here, and I'm going to give you the opportunity, Jay, to address the situation in the locker room on Sunday, however you choose to. <laughs> and I was not, full disclosure here, I was not uh, at practice on Sunday. I actually was at uh, one of the greater sporting events I've ever seen in Cincinnati, the finals of the ATP and Mason between uh, Djokovic uh, and Alcaraz. It was just an unbelievable sporting event. But while that was happening... Joe Mixon kind of blew off some steam toward the end of media availability. I would say within, right, Jay, the last five to 10 minutes of media availability on Sunday, he pointed out, uh, singled out uh, four reporters, and you were one of them. Um, and he said, I just don't want to speak with you. How do you feel? How did you feel when Joe Mixon did that? Confused. I mean, I, I don't know what because he when he said that he said I'm, I'm not he first of all he said he wasn't going to talk that day he said I'll, I'll see you guys later and he said just so you know I will not be answering questions from you and you pointing to Kelsey Conway and Ben Baby and then he turned to the other side of the room and he said and you and pointed at me and then you and pointed at James Rapine and and I said can I ask why and he said you guys have just been disrespectful and then Ben said how and he said, you know how, and he started retreating and, and kind of making fun of Ben's name, which was not very professional. But I, I just, before that whole thing happened, we had been told by Bengals PR that that Joe felt some bridges had been burned and that he wasn't going to be answering questions from certain media members this year. And I thought, well, that's, that's odd, but mm -hmm. doesn't affect me. <laughs> then who knows? I mean, then it does affect me and I'm one of them. And I just... I don't know why, and 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 I'm curious because it's not a big deal. He's still going to talk. We can still listen to what he has to say and 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 get the quotes and all that. But I'm just curious what he feels was disrespectful because you know this. They don't read what we write. They don't listen to the, our podcast. They get it from friends and family members who maybe get it from somebody else, and or if, or the <laughs> agent, correct or. But and I don't know if he's doing it directly and, and he maybe he's getting it from somebody else, but it turns into a big game of telephone, the kids game where the message keeps getting skewed as it's passed along. And so I would like to have a conversation with Joe and I think it's too early and too raw for that on his end. I, I don't feel like it's raw. I just it's, this happens a lot where reporters choose or where players choose not to speak with certain reporters, right. but I would. I, I would like to have a conversation with him and, and, and see what it was that he feels was was disrespectful on my end because I I try to pride myself on being fair and and I a just, pro. I mean, I, I've not met anybody in 28 years now with almost 30 years of pro football coverage that is any more fair or accurate or thorough than you are, Jay. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast. It's, <laughs> I think anybody who works with you on the beat knows that about you. So that's, and I'm not trying 
to stir up the pot here. That's the, mm. the point is it, it was an issue that happened, made national news, unfortunately, but it did. Um, and it's an issue that has to be addressed. And then on Monday, he did speak with reporters and he was very eloquent for 11 minutes. I, you know, he was heartfelt. You can, you know, the cynical people uh, are very much entitled to say, well, you know, that's, that's Joe, that's what he's going to say when he's given a platform to address uh, the media, he's going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was very eloquent and I thought he articulated what he wanted articulated and that was it. What did you think of his comments on Monday? Yeah, I, I, it was about what I expected. He, I, so I was one of the first ones there, so I was pretty close to him and, and he wasn't shooting daggers at any of us that he had banned and he answered all the questions. He knew we were standing there. I didn't, I didn't want to press the issue. I didn't want the interview to get shut down for everybody else because I didn't know what would happen if I asked a question, if, if, if he would just ignore it or say, okay, it's over. I said, I'm not talking to this guy. So I just, I just listened and, um, recorded what what he had to say um i'm not surprised he didn't want to go into the court case um other than he said it everybody knows what it is so um you know he he wasn't happy that that charges were brought and he had to sit in court for four days and it was so public but you can't blame the media for that you blame the police for that i mean or blame the prosecutor for that for for taking it to, to trial and so uh you know it's the old blame the messenger thing and um but i do i i i think he is sincerely grateful to mike brown and this organization even though um he wasn't happy with the pay cut he couldn't have been nobody wants to take a pay cut but the the fact that they didn't just cut him and and say good luck with your life's work and they they worked out a deal to to keep him here and let him maybe maybe win a super bowl jay and and you know this know this very well it's not common for the bengals to execute pay you know pay Mm -hmm. cuts and no. for the player to stay and accept it, it just hasn't happened very often. I, I hate saying if ever, because, you know, there might have been one or two exceptions. Can you ever remember a, a case where the Bengals uh, restructured a deal to this degree and had the player stay? They Not that they've done it. They asked Gio to do it, and and he he said no, and that's why he was in Tampa. Um but yeah, I don't, I don't remember them ever. And they, they, that's why they say they structure contracts the way they do, because they don't give a lot of guaranteed money up front, but it's kind of like that, that loyalty that your, our word is good kind of thing where they, they typically do let those contracts play out sometimes right. to the detriment of the team where guys have gone beyond their usefulness and, and they're just hanging on and collecting checks on the end. It's been not been so much of that lately, but that, that used to be the way they operated a decade or so ago. So yeah, it was it was telling that they wanted him here. Uh, the, the big question and the one I wanted to ask him, but I didn't want it to, to be an issue yesterday was, does he think he will be a captain again this year? And, and that, that that's a big question in my mind. He's been a captain, a leader on this team, but you know, the players know what's up and that that's not a good look um, to, to have two cases involving guns, regardless of not even charged in one and then acquitted in the other. So I, I am curious to see one if he is elected a captain in this year, and I would have liked to have heard from him whether he thinks he he will be or should be. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, the rest of camp. And one player, a rookie, a draft pick. I want to get to the draft pick class uh, quickly before we wrap it up here. Miles Murphy. I think Bengal fans are expecting a little bit more from him, or are did expect more from him coming into camp in the preseason. 
your assessment of what Miles Murphy has looked like so far in camp and the two preseason or the one preseason game he didn't play, obviously. Yeah. He was sick against Atlanta. Um, he, he's one of those, you know, coaches say it all the time, stacking days and getting better. He's one of those guys that you can see getting better every day. Yep. He's each practice, it seems like he's he's more of a presence and he's getting in the backfield a little more. And um he he hasn't lit it on fire. Um, but rarely, even first round picks, you see rookies come in and just do that right off the bat, especially uh, a position like that in the trenches where you're, you know, you're, it's a big difference, but grown men's strength, NFL guys, as opposed to college guys. And so um, I've, I, I see the progress and you, you see the desire in him. And when you talk to him and how badly he wants to be good. And so I'm not, I'm not too worried uh, about what this is going to be. I, the numbers, I don't think are going to be where people maybe think they might be for a first round pick because that D line is ridiculously deep and talented. And I just don't know how often he's going to be on the field this year, but when he is on the field, I, his, his pressures to uh pass rush rate, I, I think is going to be good. Um, whether he finishes or not, that, that remains to be seen. It's not something that they get to do in practice. You know, you might tap the quarterback on the hip and get credit for a sack, but that's, that's a big difference between grabbing a guy, six, four guy around the waist and throwing him to the ground. So um, it was a shame that he didn't get to play in Atlanta, his hometown. Uh, he would have had a lot of friends and family there, but he, he came back for the very first practice after that game. He's healthy. Whatever the illness was is behind him. And um, I, I think we're going to see him play because he missed that game. I think we're going to see him play quite a bit Wednesday night or Saturday night against Washington. And um, I, I do, I look for him to be a factor this year. I just don't think he's going to be the world beater this year that maybe a lot of people hoped for when they saw him go in the first round. Dax Hill and Nick Scott. Yeah. I mean, Nick Scott's really impressed me. He's, he's got, when, when he came in for his press conference after the, uh, after they signed him, he just, he brought his wife and his little baby and he was so nice. And it was like, Oh my gosh, is this a, is this an NFL safety? But we've seen it in camp. He's got an edge to him. And in when they talk about, you know, there's no tackling, but there's thumping and he's taking thumps yep. on guys every yep. chance he gets. Um, and Dax Hill has this incredible athleticism. And um, I, I, I have less questions about about Nick than I do Dax just because we haven't seen it from Dax, but all the athleticism is there. The coaches talk about uh, the progress he's making. And so the camaraderie, the chemistry, you know, trying to get them on the Jesse and Vaughn thing, that's going to take some time, but their individual play. Um, I, I, I've been, I don't know if impressed is the right word, but I, I think they're on the right track from what we've seen in camp. Uh, and he's not a rookie, but uh, I'll finish up Cheeto Awuzie. Um, he has really passed every level of the rehab from the ACL with flying colors. I can't wait to see him on the field and what he looks like again at full speed. Yeah. And I just, you hear all the time, you know, guys coming off ACLs about that, that first game back, there's that little bit of trepidation, you know, do, do you yeah. have the 100% confidence in the knee to make it? And he's going to do it on the same exact same field, field where yeah. he tore it. Um, so, but I do, I, I, I expect him to be ready. He said he didn't want to put any timetables on it, but you know, just the fact that the Atlanta game, they didn't travel any of the injured guys except Cheeto because he's that close to being, they wanted him to go through the pregame workout and do all that kind of stuff. So I I'd be stunned if he doesn't 
play a full workload in week one. All right. He is Jay Morrison, does a phenomenal job covering the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL, NFL for Pro Football Network. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, X at by Jay Morrison. That's his new handle. Anything you want to uh, get out there, uh, Jay, whether you be podcast or a writing project you're working on? Yeah, we do have a, a new podcast. Uh, we recorded episode three this morning. So uh, it usually comes out on Tuesday afternoons. It's just called the Pro Football Network Bengals podcast. It's myself and Dallas Robinson. So appreciate anybody checking that out. And um, more and more, it, it's it, at The Athletic, it was maybe a story every other day. At Pro Football Network, it's about three every day. So plenty of stuff coming down the pike uh, this week, next week, and then, of course, when the season starts. All right. He is Jay Morrison. I'm Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle War podcast. Of course, you can follow along and download, subscribe and download and leave your comments on my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash at Jungle War pod. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Trags and online clnsmedia.com. For Jay Morrison, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching.